I'm Kieran. And I'm Eve. This is Kitchen Table Cult. Where two quiverful escapees talk about our experiences in the cultish underbelly of the religious right. Hi, Eve. Hi, Kieran. How are you? All over the place. Uh, but <laughs> today's just like happening and I'm 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 keep trying to keep up, but I'm, uh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yay. Yes, I'm glad that we got this worked out. I'm very excited because we have a very special guest who I've been wanting to have on the show for a while. Yeah, um, you've been you've been talking about this for months. Yeah, yeah. She is one of us and doing a lot of really good work in the education front. And I will let you introduce yourself, Darcy. Yeah. Hi. Thank you, Eve and Karen, for having me. My name is Darcy and I live in the middle of Montana. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people, I think, think Montana is Missoula, but it's not. (laughs) Missoula is Missoula. Missoula. Yeah, I do wish. But no, I don't live there. I live in another part of Montana that's far more conservative. I have four kids here in our schools and I grew up, I was homeschooled. I think, you know, probably like most of your readership uh, in a fundamentalist household. So, so I was homeschooled and married very, very young. So um, I had kids pretty quickly before I decided that was enough and wasn't going to do the whole 12 children thing. Like a lot of people, I know (laughs) Four, four kids and two dogs and three cats. That's what we got going on here. So that's a lot. That's cool. It is. Yeah, and um, I don't have a lot of contact with most of my family or my spouse's family. Um, a lot of them are kind of all over the place and still still kind of back in that uh, fundamentalist mindset in the tiny little town that we grew up in. And uh, so I don't have a lot of contact with them. But we started to kind of move away from the more fundamentalist portions of Christianity in our early 20s as we were having children. Uh, by the time I was... 27, 28 years old, I really started moving away from Christianity completely. Uh, uh, my spouse also kind of was on the same journey. So we we did this deconstruction thing together. <laughs> Which can be like both really nice and also really triggering and hard. It, it has been hard. I'm uh, not going to lie. Like some people are like, oh, you're so lucky. I'm like, yes, but. Luck <laughs> <laughs> has nothing to do with it. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. It's so much it, work. Yeah, it is. I mean, because you're working on like a relationship that is suddenly so vastly different than when you were 19 and getting married. <laughs> you're not the same people. These are not the same terms and conditions. It's an entirely nope. new yeah. renegotiation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we actually left the church completely about 10 years ago. I was pregnant with my youngest. Uh, he is about to be 10, actually. So that was Aww. when we got kicked out of church. And it wasn't oh. even like a super fundamentalist church. They it, That's a whole other story. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> <laughs> and right about the time that it was really the World Vision fiasco that really kind of oh, set yeah. me on my on my journey away. And right about that time, too, after my youngest was born, I decided I did not want to be a stay-at-home mom. I did not want to homeschool my kids. And I went to college at Montana State University. Nice. I Yeah, it took me five years, but I finally completed a bachelor's degree there um, with small children and a spouse who's a truck driver. So he... That's so I, hard. Yeah, I was kind of on my own there. And, and I had lost my entire church community. I had nobody. Uh, so it was rough. It was rough, but I slowly just kind of built up a new community. Um, I got really involved in my kids' schools and really started to realize I love public school <laughs> with all its downfalls. I really, really love not teaching my children how to read. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like not having the like these like education benchmarks interfering with your like interpersonal relationship with your child is probably yeah. really nice. <laughs> Yes. And it turns out that my oldest child has ADHD and that's how I found out I have ADHD. Um, And then my second child um, is autistic. And so that kind of is what started the journey when they were uh, three years old. We started doing a bunch of evaluations and that's what really just kind of started my journey into the education world and figuring out how to 
help a child who needed some extra help. And so that's what started it. And now I actually work in early education and I work in a middle school and I have a lot of different uh, certifications in both of those areas. And so I work with children now and I help. My official title is a family advocate. So I help Hmm. families figure out how to be the best that they can and how to be successful. I work mostly with low-income families and I help them navigate the school system. And then my second job on the side is more really for me, but I'm also the accompanist for a middle school choir. So nice. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I was a church pianist and like worship leader forever. And I just, I really missed that outlet for my music. Mm -hmm. And when my kid's school was looking for an accompanist, I was like, I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Choirs are really good supplemental space to get that energy out it has been so fun and not only that but I've formed such great relationships like everywhere I go now and our our town has about 7,000 people and it's not a big not a big town Mm -hmm. but not a small one either and all the kids they always know me and I've been so grateful and just I hate to say blessed because I don't really like that word, but I don't know a good replacement for it. You don't don't mean it the way it was originally. No, no, but just having all like these, all the little queer babies come out to me and just like tell me, like they knew, they knew that I was a person they could tell those things to. And we're not in a very friendly area for LGBTQ kids. So it's just been such a great, such a great experience. I know that the kids like, they're always like, thank you so much for coming and for talking to me. And I'm like, no, you guys, Aww. thank you. Thank you for letting me be a part of your lives. So, That's so great. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Which brings me to the thing that I want to talk about, which is you have been seeing a lot of the CRT and trans panic shit going down in Montana and in your school system. And mm-hmm. what does that look like on the ground? And you've been doing some stuff to kind of like oppose it. Yeah. um, We currently have probably the worst state government in 30 years. Um, We'd always here in Montana had a democratic um, governor. And while our legislature was often majority Republican, it's now super majority Republican and the Republicans actually the extremists of the party now run the entire state government and they're destroying Mm. 30 years of what worked pretty well, actually. Um, We had one of the strongest school systems in the United States and our current superintendent of public instruction, she has in, let's see, when did they, when did they get elected in 2020? So in two years, she has single-handedly destroyed what made Montana schools like the best, some of the best schools in the nation. Hmm. which she said she that's what she said she was going to undo everything that her democratic predecessors did like she outright said that (laughs) so she's accomplished that they have a 90 percent turnover rate at the state office of public instruction they had put a halt on approving teacher licenses because they didn't have anybody to do it and we have a teacher shortage we have some of the lowest wages for teachers in the united states here in montana I just got a letter from the superintendent that went out to all staff that said that we lost 50 school staff members this year and several spent the year homeless. We're having a huge, huge homeless crisis. I work in a community action agency here and we work with a lot of families trying to find housing and we run all the subsidized housing and we have wait lists that are like years long. Um, So it's pretty pretty depressing. We, they tried, so we have, um, I think it's, I think it's biannual means. I'm like trying to think of my words, but every two years is when our legislature meets. And that's, I guess that's unusual. A lot of states will meet every year, but uh, ours is is every two years. And so during 2020 was the last session, we got slammed with more, just the most bigoted bills that you can imagine all at once. In one week, actually, last year, they introduced over 100 bills. They were, they didn't even have time to legally put it through the public comment process. Like right. we, I was following every agency in this state, the Montana Human Rights Network, the Montana ACLU, just to try to keep up with what was coming at us. I would often take time off work to hop on a Zoom meeting all day to speak for 30 seconds against anti-trans bills. 
a lot of other bills too that would affect our schools and our kids and our their mental health. <laughs> our governor That's actually so exhausting. Yeah, it was exhausting. And our governor stripped our community mental health program from all of our schools. He stripped funding from it last oh, year too. So of course. <laughs> so it's been just God. It's so fucked up here, you guys. <laughs> On the ground in our, our particular school system, we've got definitely kind of a clash of values, I guess would be the word for it. We've got a lot of people that have been moving in here from more conservative places like Texas mm -hmm. and other states in the South. Because the conservatives there, they're trying to, they're, or are they escaping the conservative states? Well, no, because it is conservative and they want to live here because it's more conservative, but also our electrical grid works. So oh, yeah, you'll have that. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful. Electrical grids work. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, for now, until they destroy that too. Um, right. I feel like that should be like on Montana's like move here brochure, like our electrical <laughs> grid works. We have those. Our governor actually put out brochures, oh my God. like literal brochures. And you open it up and it looks like advertisements for like a Mormon colony or something. You know, it's got like <laughs> these blonde yeah. dudes in flannel shirts and like these women with long flowing hair, long flowing skirts and these like nuclear heteronormative families and all this like beautiful pictures oh that probably God. weren't even taken here and they're like move home to montana and people like me are like move where are they gonna home. live where are their kids right. gonna go to school <gasps> wow wow so, yeah <clears throat> so you're you're doing this activism this on the ground you know testifying trying to track these bills all this in your role as an educator in your role as a parent which both <laughs> So kind of both. Um, due to the Hatch Act, I have to be careful of what I do on my um, on my professional time. But I work for an, an agency that um, they are very 100% committed to equality and diversity. I love who I work for. Not the school district. They're okay. But <laughs> the other agency I work for. Um, I have actually... Uh, in my role as family advocate at the school where I work, we, I have changed all the language on all our forms to uh, eliminate old gendered language, to include, we have a lot of families, we just have a lot of diverse families, and it didn't used to be that way, but it is now. So I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure that everyone felt welcome as I've gotten to know families that come in. My caseload is usually up to about 80 families. Uh, wow. The last couple of years, it's only been about half that due to COVID restrictions and things. But in a normal year, it's mm -hmm. 80 families. And there's a lot of families who've told me things like, oh, they're actually poly. And there's other parents involved. And they didn't want to tell that to their teachers because they didn't know if that would be acceptable. So I just uh, wanted right. to make sure that every family that walked in our doors felt supported and that they felt celebrated. I actually made this huge sign on the front of our door with like all these rainbow hand prints and stuff. And it says all families are celebrated here. So that's uh, like the first thing that people see when they walk in the door. So oh, I've been working great. on that. And as the atmosphere here in the state has become more and more uh, hostile to diverse families, I've really just amped up my visibility <laughs> efforts because I'm just... I, and maybe you guys understand this. I'm not entirely sure of where you all have lived. But when you are this tiny blue dot in a sea of red, mm -hmm. it can mm -hmm. feel like you don't deserve to take up space there. And it can feel like you need to minimize yourself and you need to blend in and you need to not rock the boat. Because one, it doesn't feel safe. And two, even if you are safe, you feel like you'll just stand out and you won't be accepted. And yeah, that's that's how I felt in my teaching job at the community college in Southwest yeah. Virginia for yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, yeah, and so I decided a few years ago that as much as I could do so and still keep my children safe, because I mean, yeah, I I am a very out and proud bisexual non-monogamous woman, but <laughs> but look, I mean, I I am a cisgendered woman. I look pretty mm -hmm. typical. I got tattoos and piercings, but like. I still blend in pretty well here, which means mm -hmm. I can safely take up space and I can safely be loud in ways that other people can't. My own children can't. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I decided a few years ago, that's what I was going to do. 
So, so here I am. Here I am. I, uh, as for our own struggles in the district, I know that a lot of people in the administration are trying really hard to figure out how to reconcile all these really hostile opposing viewpoints. Our superintendent is actually a pretty awesome guy. He is, uh, he's a, <laughs> so he used to be a teacher and principal and superintendent in one of our larger districts in the state. And now he's in our tiny little district and he's trying to figure out how to run it. But I do appreciate him a lot and I appreciate a lot of the admin, but they don't, they don't know. I honestly don't think they know what they're doing. This is not mm -hmm. something that they have experience with. Like they've got parents telling them they don't even want to see trans children in the hallways. And then they have parents like me sitting there and going, my trans kids deserve to be here and they deserve to take up as much space as those cowboy hat wearing flannel shirt kids over there. Right. So yeah. I, I think they're trying. I think some of them are failing. I think some of them are doing their best, but then there's a lot of parents like me who are always in there being like, hey, this is happening. What are you going to do about it? What is your policy? Oh, you don't have a policy. Maybe it's time to make one. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's been it's been a challenge. At the beginning of this year, my second child, this was their freshman year at the high school. And they're autistic, like I said. And at the beginning of the year, we use the, the school uses Google Classroom for a lot of the kids' uh, stuff for their classes, for their assignments. So my child, after a couple of weeks, logged onto their Google Classroom. And the first thing that came up was this photo, like on the background, I guess you can change the background. Mm -hmm. And it was a giant ripped up pride flag with like a big red X through the middle. So some other oh. kid had gotten onto their gotten onto their uh, Google Classroom, whether they had left it open accidentally on a computer somewhere or they had ha someone had hacked in and Jeez. it is actually it's actually really easy to hack into these kids. They need to change. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And they just like were freaked out because they had a picture of like a rainbow and a little birdie. <laughs> and and right. suddenly he was just this right. blatant, you don't belong here, threatening photo. And my kid just froze, panicked, deleted it. I was like, oh, you shouldn't have deleted it. <laughs> but they didn't know that. They're 14. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't understand screenshots yet. <laughs> no, I was pissed. Oh my gosh. I was so pissed. I was like, <laughs> I didn't even, I saw red. My kid was like, oh, I guess that is bad, huh? I didn't realize it was that bad. I'm like, honey, it is that bad. That is <laughs> so yeah. that ended up with me sitting in the principal's office with the superintendent and all the principals and explaining how it was going to go from here on out. And yeah. of course they, they didn't think that was acceptable, but do you know they never really put the time in to find out who did that. I probably could have figured out who did it. There's cameras all over that high school. Yeah. But yeah, it's not going to be that hard. <laughs> no. There was another kid who, he was a junior, I believe, and he had been harassing both of my high schoolers. So I had, a, last year I had a um, freshman and sophomore on the bus and other places. And he actually was threatening sexual assault against my oldest, saying he was going to turn them straight and all this stuff. And he was reported oh by God. another kid. Fuck. Yeah, so he was reported by another kid, and this was after the ripped up pride flag incident, so the administration was, like, on it. But they let him stay in certain classes that my kids were in, and after about a month, I said, I, I realize it's almost the end of the quarter, but if next quarter this, this kid is in any of my kids' classes, I will take out a restraining order. <laughs> Magically, Seriously. he's not in any of their classes since then. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. wow. Yeah. That's nice. I'm glad they I'm glad they did that. That's that's huge. Yeah. But yeah. Fuck. Another thing that's been happening and I've been watching, I think actually this might happen at the next board meeting. We also just elected a really extremist school board. Not excited about it <laughs> at all. So I'm a little bit worried. The school board's new. They've only been elected since May. So I'm not sure exactly how this is going to go. But um, mm -hmm. I'm, I've been keeping an eye on the agendas and trying to figure out who's voting for what. Mm -hmm. I received a memo that I probably wasn't supposed to have, but it doesn't matter. I have my ways. And it was a legal mm -hmm. memo <laughs> from the school's lawyer on how to deal with transgender children. The memo itself was actually fairly good. It was fairly helpful. I thought I could see the bias of the lawyer 
in several places, which I pointed out to another friend of mine who has a trans daughter in the school. I was like, do you see this sentence where like there was one sentence here that said the federal government has made it clear that they will protect the rights of transgender students over other students. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't even notice that. I was like, yeah. I'm like, the rest of this sounds pretty good, but there's little things like that in there that mm. definitely show yeah, the bias. Yeah, super sketch. <gasps> yeah. Um, so I'm waiting because I was told by uh, the secretary at the high school that the board was going to be discussing it and seeing if they want to write an official policy about it. I then received mm -hmm. another note that went from the superintendent to someone else that I also probably wasn't supposed to have, but whatever, small town, Montana, <laughs> I know things. <laughs> and it said in one sentence, I don't think we should make a policy about this because no other Montana has a school, has a policy about this. And we don't want to be the first ones, <laughs> which he's I mean, right. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. That's, I'm sympathetic to that. You don't want that attention. That's going to be rough. In the current legal or the current political atmosphere here in Montana, it would paint a target on their backs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. As much as I know that they sympathize with it, and I did see the internal members talking about how they were going to handle it, like such as not outing students to their parents mm -hmm. and things like that, which I was quite satisfied with. So I do understand that why they don't want to write a policy and have the entire government come down on their backs because yeah. our state government is run by fascists. So, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So, so much. the school board coming in, have you seen a lot of the sort of parental rights extremist rhetoric in yeah. the people running or recently elected? Yeah. So one of them ran. <laughs> yeah. So he ran, he ran on small town Montana values and that that of course is is a dog whistle, <laughs> and it turned out to be for him as for as well. I attended a panel of all of the people that were running before the election to just to take notes and see what they had to say, and every question he answered, he had to like bring it back to how. New York schools are doing it wrong or California schools are doing it wrong and how CRT is everywhere and gender stuff is everywhere mm -hmm. and to bring it back to small town Montana values. Um, we? So he won. <laughs> he won the election. <clears throat> uh, and he has no experience in education or anything. He's a real estate guy. So. Oh, God. Oh, oh good. Yeah. Definitely yeah. the kind of person you want. Yeah. I mean, he has stuff. as much experience as any homeschool parent. It's fine. You'll be fine. True. <laughs> yes, and we actually, in the, the larger district next to us, we actually had some homeschool parents that ran and tried to take over the district for Jesus, and they lost because oh. it is a bigger, more liberal district. So the people there were like, we don't want anything to do with you. That's good. That's good. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, that was mm -hmm. interesting. But, yeah, so I've been keeping an eye on this new school board makeup and trying to figure out when I need to be at those board meetings. I have also collected a fun little group of parents and teachers right here in our town. I started a Facebook group and started connecting people who are parents of LGBTQ kids. And so they're like our little network. If something needs to happen or somebody needs to write letters or talk to somebody, I put it out to them and off we go. Um, there are. I, I, hope, love it. I hope you are you. That's. I mean, that's awesome. And I also hope that you and your group are planning on moving yourselves over to Signal or something <laughs> soon. I don't know. We're all like old millennials, so Facebook is kind of what we know. <laughs> but, just, just protect. Be, yeah, be careful. Yeah. No. Yeah. And there's nothing terribly personal on there. It's just more of like, mm -hmm. hey, the school board is meeting to discuss this. I think we should be there. So yeah, we, yeah, always, yeah. we always have a couple people or like our um, one of our teachers who started the GSA group at the at the high school. She sometimes gets a lot of flack. And so she'll rally us to come support her or stand at a table during open house or something and hand nice. out rainbow stickers. So so we don't feel like we're quite so alone in this. That's in good. This place, That's but, so good. Yeah. If we're if we're like, you know, looking at this on a national scale, like I'm sure there's other situations that are going to be cropping up like this mm -hmm. that need this kind of organized attention from parents. Mm -hmm. Um, what, what would you recommend to like cis ally parents, even if they don't have trans kids who like want to be able to support this and like, you know, be involved, like how, how, where should they start? 
you know, that's a good question. I mean, everything that I've started is because I am a huge part of this community. I just talk to people. I mm-hmm. literally met one of my best friends because I walked up to her in a park and said hi one day. <laughs> like, I, I am an extrovert. I have no problem doing that. So I would say be involved in your community. Be involved in your schools. Look, pinpoint those teachers who, like me, have a rainbow lanyard around their neck attached to their badge so that you can go talk to them. And don't be afraid of talking to them. Go find the people who are already doing the work because I guarantee there's somebody. Mm -hmm. There's somebody there. Parents like me do not live in a place like this without having done work, even if it's not visible, even if you don't know it's happening. Mm-hmm. we're doing work we have to it's our it's just it's our day-to-day keeping our kids safe and so go find those parents go talk to them um to ask them how that how you can help because every community is going to be different what i'm doing here and what i've done here in the past i've lived here for 13 years but what i've done here in the past few years as a parent and a professional it might not be what needs to happen in maybe a smaller town or even a bigger town that's not friendly mm-hmm or it, and it depends on the school district. Our school district has a lot of allies. It also has a lot of fascists in it. So right, you have right. to you have to find those people and you have to know what's going to work. And I suggest first of all, if you're if you're an ally, you've never done this before. Maybe your kid just came out and you're trying to figure out how to help them and what to do. Go talk to the people who are doing the work. I guarantee they're there. There are going to be educators. There are going to be school counselors. I mean, I have a really good relationship with one of our school counselors. They've been seeing my kids for years. Now they see them in their private practice. It's been fantastic. Um, but you, your people are there. You just have to find them. And sometimes that can be difficult, especially for us who came out of like the church atmosphere where your people are just always there, who you're around all right. the time. Right, so, right. It's <laughs> baked in. Yeah. So it can be a little harder to find and build those communities outside of that. But it's worth it. And the worst that can happen is people think you're weird. So, <laughs> which like we've already got. So it's not, <laughs> it's not new. You're like, who's that weird lady talking to me? I don't even know you. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I also, there's been kind of an uptick in. I don't know if you want to call them classes, trainings, but a lot of organizations in different communities have put together trainings for educators on how to support LGBTQ students. I actually attended one here. I was invited personally because I'm friends with the education director of the agency, but she invited me to come and she had invited people, educators and counselors from schools in all the county, all the surrounding districts. And it was a whole training it was pretty basic. Like, I think they assumed people who came there probably didn't know anything about it. So th- that's great. Right. For mm-hmm. me, it was, it was, I didn't learn anything too much except who the safe people were sitting around the right. table that I hadn't met yet. Right. Um, yeah, and- actually, that's a good, that's a good note. Like, even if you think that, like, you already know everything at that training, the mm-hmm. point may not be to learn something, but to meet the people who are interested in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that way I kind of got to know people like we have a super small, very conservative school district to the west of us. And one of their counselors was there. I didn't think there was going to be anyone from that school district there. So it was nice to get to know her and kind of make that connection. And now when somebody in that district contacts me and is like, my kid is having so much trouble, I can tell them she's a safe person. I I, like I talk to her. I know her. She was at this training. Go talk to her. Mm -hmm. So it's just making those connections. I I think something that, I mean, I was never taught this as a homeschooler. I don't know if you're taught this in public school or not, but networking is not a thing that we really, that I knew anything about other than, I don't think it counts to like go to homeschool uh, conventions and talk to other people in denim jumpers. I mean, I guess that could be networking, (laughs) but, but yeah, my whole entire job now is networking. And so using that in my personal life, those skills, forming those skills in my professional life has really helped my personal life as well. And now I have people, it's hard. You're in a small town, your professional and personal lives are going to mix. There's not anything I can do about it. I do my best. Right. (laughs) Right, right, right. Have you reached the point where like you go on dates and people come up to you and are like, hi, Darcy. (laughs) And you like, you can't get a moment of like privacy. 
Yeah, it was yeah. actually at a, yeah. I was actually at a bar with a couple friends the other <laughs> night, and like one of the parents of one of my preschoolers was there. <laughs> oh yeah, it was karaoke night, and then I noticed like one of my kids' teachers was over there. And then, like, another former parent I worked with was over there. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, this is small yep, town. Yep, yep. <laughs> life. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I mean, all of Montana is basically like that. So yeah. I've, um, I've really connected pretty well since the last election with, actually, no, oh, gosh, since 2016. I'm skipping four <laughs> years. I went into the void there. But I learned, I used Twitter to help connect with other progressives around the state, which has been fantastic. I've helped mm -hmm. organize meetups because we're all just so spread out. Montana's huge. It is what yeah. the fourth largest state in the nation. We it's are massive. Yeah. There's only it. a million people cool. here. And it is we're so spread out. And so it's kind of been nice to help bring people together and figure out where everybody lives and to stay connected that way. So we've had some great meetups. I've been able to network with people around the state. Um on these issues and others. And now people from like cities three hours away will contact me and be like, hey, can you help me find whatever it is? So it's it's great. I do love being that person that people think knows things. <laughs> Sometimes yes, I do know yeah. things, but, but yeah, that's really nice. It makes me feel like I'm part of a much bigger community too. Because there are That's a lot fantastic. of there are a lot of good people here. It's hard to find when you're all quietly trying to stay out of the limelight and stay away from all the bad people. <laughs> mm -hmm. <sighs> yeah. So, isn't that like part of the point of the other side being so hateful and loud yeah. and aggressive is to mm -hmm. make us want to stay quiet? Yeah, and yeah. isolate ourselves from each other. Yeah, absolutely. I actually just recently, <laughs> I recently dyed a bunch of my hair blue. So that was fun. Um, nice. And the, the kids, <laughs> the kids I work with just, just loved it. They thought it was the coolest thing ever because kids are awesome. Kids are like the best mm -hmm. humans. And uh, I got some funny, funny looks in my town though. There's not too many people walking around with, you know, blue hair. <laughs> right, right, right. Especially people like me who look like just a typical blend into the crowd blonde person you know <laughs> so uh so that was fun but it's one of my ways like I'm trying to find these little ways where I will take up space and I will mm -hmm. be me and I will stop stop feeling like I need to blend in or I need to hide because I don't I don't and people need to see that there's a lot of other people here there's a lot of diverse mm -hmm. people here and that wasn't just so that I could be a better advocate for my kids because in order to be a better advocate for them in spaces where they are not safe to take up space, I have to be comfortable taking up that space. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a lot of little things I wouldn't have done in the past. Um, <laughs> just to be like, I'm here. I'm loud. I'm proud. This is who I am. This is who my family is. We live here. We vote. We go to school here. We work here. Here we are. Just deal That's with it. So great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I don't anticipate us being here for much longer <laughs> because there comes a point where you're just like, do we keep working where it's hostile or do we go somewhere where we can rest a little bit because we're pretty mm -hmm. tired? Yeah. Yeah. No, that is so. fair. Yeah. I mean, but, I say this in Berlin. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You really left. <laughs> I yeeted myself from the country. Yeah. Here's like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one more thing I would caution parents specifically, um, queer or not, just be careful how and when you tell other people's stories. Um, something I'm mm -hmm. very, very careful of is not telling my kids stories that are not mine to tell or without mm -hmm. their consent. So mm -hmm. I'm very careful to protect their privacy. I'm very careful to not use them to further conversation or anything else. Whatever I say about them has already gotten their consent to be said. And so I would caution, I think a lot of people are well-meaning, especially allies, especially parents, because we love our kids. We, we want to protect them and we want them to be safe, but be careful. Be careful how you tell their stories because those are not your stories. Mm -hmm. Try to stick to your story and then ask your kids how much of their story is okay being told. Yeah. So that's yeah, something that's that, really, really important. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, huge. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So how has it been 
like for you sort of seeing all of this after growing up the way we did and escaping and now just sort of like it's so old hat and we got out of it and now it's back and it's infuriating do you feel that too Uh, (laughs) i have legit had panic attacks like (laughs) i have yet to use every coping mechanism that i have ever learned yep um I spend a lot of time just full of rage. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. I use a lot of dark humor and I say things that are funny to me, but other people don't think it's funny. And they're like, are you okay? I'm like, no, not okay. No, no. But, it is, but it is funny and they, they need to let, recognize that and accept it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's been difficult uh, since the Roe v. Wade decision. I had, I've really struggled. I've had a hard time. Um, it just feels like, yeah, it feels like we're being pulled back in and forced into something that we got out of, that we left. And mm-hmm. a lot of people around me are struggling and, and just didn't have the words, like didn't understand. And I'm like, this is trauma. You, you guys, yeah. like this is, mm-hmm. your body is responding. Even if your mind isn't understanding why your body is responding to this, this is a threat and it's responding to it because it knows how to. <laughs> Your body knows how to respond to this. Your stress response knows how to respond to this. And that's what it's doing. Yeah, and they're like, oh. You, you, you may be trying to like act like everything else is normal, but your body knows that it's not. And it's going to like take that seriously. Yeah. 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 I was talking to some of my coworkers. That through, I mean, COVID is rough on the, on educators and anyone who works yeah. in, in education. And I, I just told them, I'm like, be patient with yourselves because I know for me, my tolerance level is usually up here and it's like down here right now mm-hmm. um and they're like oh yeah that's right that's why i'm getting irritated so easily i'm like yes yeah. don't just be patient with yourself because yeah <laughs> we've got so much coming at us the so hardest much. part i think for me is in watching america just so quickly degress into this fundamentalism is watching members of my family and and friends that I used to have celebrate it mm. and um, and just knowing that they're still in that and they're celebrating this and they don't really care that it hurts their own nieces and nephews. They don't care that you, you expect that when these ideas are abstract, the, it's easy to, to be bigoted but it's like when it's someone they know you would hope that that would change and often it does but yeah to see it not working here yeah it's got to be really feel really personal it does um i one family member um went on some rant about how they're a woman and and they're not afraid to say so and blah 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 and people are either man or woman Mm. and I just flat out, like, I literally have no filters anymore. I used to have filters. There's, like, none. Zero. <laughs> They're gone. The garden of fucks is empty and barren. <laughs> it is so gone. <laughs> um, I was like, you realize you're talking about, like, your own nieces slash nephews, right? Like, you're, you're, you're telling them they're not human who they are. And she mm-hmm. replied, she's like, I don't care. This is who I am. And I'm tired of apologizing for, for my, who I am. And I was like, dude, bigotry is not a personality trait. <laughs> and, 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 and since when have you apologized for who you are? Right. right? And she goes, well, I, this is who I am. And I'm tired of hiding it. I was like, okay, well, when you decide that your own family matters more than whatever thing you've gotten into right now, come back and talk to me. And I haven't spoken to her in like two years. But <laughs> but we used to be really good friends, and that's that's been that's been rough, you know. Um, yeah, it's really hard. Uh, yeah, I have a couple family members. Like my parents are actually super supportive. That's a whole other story. Um, my oh. my parents have gotten completely out. Like they are out, out. Oh, amazing! Wow. So I do get to see them often, and it's nice. It's nice knowing that they're one hundred percent supportive of us and of everything. My dad has turned into that old man that sends me like YouTube videos on email and stuff about like people <laughs> ranting against Ted Cruz. So, like, oh my God. <laughs> that's amazing. I know. So that's been great. So my, my, my kids have one set of grandparents who are affirming. So that's nice. Um, we don't see them too often because they don't live here, but, uh, but hey, most of my, better than nothing. Yeah, and most of my siblings are not. I have a couple siblings who kind of are, and then a couple who are absolutely not. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of rough, but yeah. we've made our own family. We've made our own our own communities. That's what you got to do. Mm-hmm. It is the way. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard with kids. They We were camping uh, a couple weekends ago for the 4th, and one of my teenagers was like, Mom, I'd like to know more about my cousins. Just like out of the oh. blue. I was oh, like, baby. oh. <laughs> but they're old enough now that I can tell them. And I've never mm-hmm. tried yeah. to hide anything from them, but I just felt like they were so little and they didn't need to know everything. Right. Yeah. Um, they know little bits about, like I'll, ask, I'll answer when they ask questions about our past. Um, they know little right. bits here and there. They often are like, you guys are so weird. You are raised so weird. Yes, we were. <laughs> like, yes, taken up with your grandparents. Because <laughs> <laughs> the grandparents they know are not the parents I talk about. So, right, right. so we understand that. I've been very clear. I'm like, the grandparents that you guys know and love, that is not the people who raised me. I mean, it is, but it's not. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> It's nice that they they have you know a normal experience of reality that they can recognize that that yeah. must feel really nice. Yeah, I think so. Um, it was funny because when my kid was like my oldest was fourteen, they first got on TikTok and they come running to me and they're like, "Mom, there's like this whole people called exvangelicals and they talk about how weird it was in church. Do you know any about this?" And I was like, "Oh, sweetie." <laughs> Let me show you my Twitter feed for the last like ten years. I was like, I was evangelical before it was cool, y'all. Before we had a name and a hashtag for it. Right? <laughs> that term, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's where I met Karen. I was trying to think, like, what was that? Like fourteen years ago on some. Yeah, it was somewhere? like. The one that sprung out of Quivering Daughters, I think. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a long time ago. God. That was like three, four community implosions ago. (laughs) 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 That's how we count these things now. This is how we can keep track of time. Yeah. Sadly. A little traumatized community sadly yes that's actually a really good way to do it yeah <laughs> i feel like we, we've gotten better over time but there's you as know as more of us have gotten therapy yeah. and our brains have stopped cooking yes right <laughs> we realized that we like brought all those toxic things into the new communities that were in the old ones because they were in us so yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> the call was coming from inside the house <laughs> yes 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 oh yes, gosh yes. yeah We've come a long way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, here I am with like, you know, in all this activism, the pro-choice activism and the pro-LGBTQ activism, I just think about even 13, 14 years ago when I first met you on a forum, (laughs) that person would not recognize this person. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think I was pregnant with like my third kid or something at the time. So (laughs) Yeah, you were. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> oh wow. Yeah, it's nice to have uh, grown up as people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, you know, if people are listening to this, if they live around Montana and they're like, "Oh gosh, I really need to connect," then yes, I mean, send them my way on Messenger or on Twitter, and we'll connect. Because I've been, I've been. The more vocal I am, the more people I've been able to connect to. And even if I am only here for another year or two, I want to be able to leave those strong communities behind and leave people behind who can keep doing the work, even if I need a break. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so where can our so, listeners find you online, connect with you, support you? Yeah, so a lot of people have been connecting with me on Twitter because it is more public. I don't put a ton of like personal information about my family or anything on there. It's really mm-hmm. mostly politics, religion, all of those fun things. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think what my Twitter handle is. Oh, so it's just dragonfly underscore Darcy. That's me. Uh, currently, okay. I think okay. I have a picture of a uterus with a it's great. Molotov cocktail. It's <laughs> I love it. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a really good way. Um, I think people can send me DMs. If not, they can just tweet tweet me and I'll find them. Um, but that's a good way for me to also screen who the scary people are. Yes. So that I can <laughs> yes. So I can figure Makes it sense. out. Yeah. But Perfect. 
But yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me on talk. Did, I don't know if you guys had any more questions. Uh, no, this is great. Do you have any like last thoughts? Like if people wanted like to go to a school board meeting or just like find out how did, what's a good first step for people to figure out how to make like their school safe and how to like find those people? Well, on a general scale, there are quite a few organizations who are working across the country to help make schools safe. I follow an organization called Gender Inclusive Schools. Uh, They're pretty active on Facebook, but I think they have their own website as well. You can also usually find listings for things like that on your local state ACLU page. Um, I think Mm -hmm. the Human Rights Network also has local chapters that are helpful. I follow the Montana Human Rights Network. And then and then find the people that that work in those places and follow them too. Because they often have even more localized information than say across the whole state. Especially if you mm-hmm. live in a state right. that has more than a million people like mine. <laughs> so you're gonna want something that's more localized to your cities. I would also suggest when it comes to school boards, call your school administrators and they usually work all summer long. There's usually a core of people that work all summer. Find the administration, call them, ask them when the next school board meeting is, ask to get put on the email list to receive the agenda and all the things so you know what's being talked about and run for school board. You don't have Mm. to know. You don't have to know a lot of things to run for school board. Like, I mean, come on, we just elected a real estate agent who doesn't know right, anything about like, education. The bar is low. <laughs> <laughs> Run for school board. They train you. They teach you. They tell you all the things. Even if you don't even know the procedures, they'll teach you that. Oh, that's but amazing. If we could get more people running for school boards, we could keep some of the worst policies out of our schools. Yeah. It's so, so important. And some places don't even pay. Our school board doesn't even pay. It's a volunteer position. It has. Yeah, yeah. So that's rough for a lot of working families because they can't afford the time. Yeah. Um, I That's one of the reasons I haven't been able to do it because I'm just doing too many things. I've thought of running for school board, but then now I'm actually a part-time employee, so I can't. Right. <laughs> you're, oh, not, yeah. you're, right. Not allowed to, uh, you're not allowed to run for school board if you work for the school district. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Seems and smart. here, you don't even have to live in the school district to run for the school board. What? what the fuck? I know. What? I know. I know. So, yeah, it does. I I feel like you should have kids in school or have had kids in that school. Like, if you're older and you don't have kids anymore, fine. But, or at least somehow be involved in that district. Right. You have have an actual direct tie. Yeah. Yeah. Vote in that district. Um, So, yeah, run for school board. Call your school administrators. Look for the organizations because I guarantee you every town has them, even our small towns. Look for the organizations who are doing this work and who are trying to make schools more inclusive. That training I told you about, that was from a local reproductive clinic who does a lot Mm. of sex education in some of our schools. And they're working really hard to have more inclusive sex education. They keep getting turned down by our district. Of course. So it comes from places you might not think likely, but that's who did it here. And just go talk to your local nonprofits and community organizations that are not religiously run. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There are some great religious organizations here that also help us in this work. There are very few and far between, but they exist. But in order to weed out the bad ones, you're going to need to go talk to the ones who are not religious. They'll tell you who the good ones are. Yeah. Um, Right. And who the community partners are who are safe for this endeavor and for our kids. So I, yeah, just gonna have to talk to people i know that that can be uncomfortable for a lot of people but there's always email you can email people um yeah. don't necessarily have to show up but showing up is probably the best way that's how i get the most done i i, I show it's up start to ignore someone who's there in person yeah, yeah well yeah. i'm really hard to ignore so <laughs> <laughs> you know i just took all those things they told me as a kid like oh you're annoying you talk too much you're too loud when i just use them for for my yes. benefit <laughs> yes good job correct Amazing. Well, this has been like great. Thank you so much for telling us about all of the things. This is this is something that I've like I've been wanting to talk about, but I am not involved in schools, so I don't know where to yeah, start. I'm really happy. So this is super to hear helpful. about it from you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. And I I know a lot of people talk and ask me who are very new to the Christian nationalism scene. And they're like, what is happening? I'm like, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. So, is this, is this, is our running running line. Have you heard the one about Schlafly? <laughs> we still yeah. We still need well, to get that on a t-shirt. In in uh, in our little corner of the Rocky, you know, between the Rocky Mountains and the Pacific Northwest, we have our own culture of the anti-government. Um, mm-hmm, the American mm-hmm. readout is kind of what they call this area. Oh yeah. Yep. People who Matt Shea who wanted to like form his own state. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, having come from California, I'm very well aware of Jeffersonia and those folks. Yeah, I actually all- met Matt Shea. Yeah, I met him when I was a kid. I grew up with people who were like friends with Randy Weaver and like. I'm that's- so sorry. <laughs> he was no Randy Weaver was like considered like this idol in our circles. He was he fought the government and somehow won. <laughs> I'm unclear sure. about that. <laughs> Got half his family killed, but I guess he won. Okay, <laughs> I guess that's how that works. Yep. Uh, winning is in the eye of the beholder I guess I guess so well thank you guys I yeah and I appreciate obviously I have no problem uh, talking (laughs) so yeah but send people my way if they if they live around here especially because I'd love to connect with them Um, I've randomly met other Montanans through like X church circles which has been weird but it's been kind of cool too so nice yeah. awesome cool well if you live in montana go find darcy on twitter <laughs> uh and um thank you for listening and we will see you in the next episode bye Hi. you've been listening to the kitchen table cult podcast our music is from the track janet by the bend the heavens on their album stenazo Our producer is Dave the Great. Our podcast is made possible by Patreon donations from listeners like you. To support us and join our community on Slack, check out patreon.com slash kitchen table cult pod. Thanks for listening.